is going on, everybody? You will not believe what I spent most of my day doing today. This is Lauren Delisa Coleman, and I am your host for another episode of Beats and Bites. You guys, I have so much to share with you right now. You know I am the only one out here covering this the way I'm covering it, right? Looking at power and deals at the intersection of emerging technology, mass media and entertainment through a youth culture lens, really kind of hip hop lens. And I'm so excited to bring it to you. This is great for everybody who is out here who is a creator, um, creating strategy around this space and so much more. I'm here to kind of break down for you a couple of different kind of news items that are happening right now and get really kind of behind the scenes on them. Last week, we had an interview. Next week, we're going to have major interviews. And so let me just tell you a little bit about what what I was spending so much of my day on <laughs> that it actually even took like time out of me being able to typically record my podcast and be able to kind of upload it for you guys much earlier. But drum roll, please. Next week is New York Tech Week. And I thought, yeah, okay, you know, I'll hit a couple of events, whatever. Um, I will certainly cover different things for my column, my innovation column on NASDAQ's news site, so don't miss it. Um, I'll cover other parts of it for my weekly cultural intelligence brief that I do on LinkedIn. So you definitely don't want to miss that. But I figured, you know, it'll be a few things here and there. Okay, great. So a new friend of mine forwarded me an Excel spreadsheet, which I actually got the same one from a different venture capital firm that sent me. And you're not going to believe how many events there are this year. I'm not kidding you. It is 394 different types of events and counting that you know are, is going to be happening all Monday, starting Monday the 16th, right straight through to Sunday the 22nd. That's everything and anything from panel discussions to breakfast to yoga to dinners. Um, some are, you know, invitation only. Others are, you know, you simply have to uh, kind of apply. It's, you know, kind of funny, I think, kind of tech culture thing where you have to divulge information, you know, your LinkedIn, give your phone number, blah, 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 and they'll get back to you, you know, if they're interested in, you know, having you, you have to kind of almost apply to go to these things. Um, I think there could be, you know, certainly a, a different way, but if some, you know, this is how people want to do it, whatever. But I mean, there's everything and anything on here. I'm going to be so excited to bring you actually, I'm going to do part of the podcast at least live next week during a couple of these events. So you're going to be able to get the whole flavor. Um, I'll be interviewing, you know, different people and it's just going to really be a circus in the very best sense of the word. So I'm excited about this. Whereas before I was just like, yeah, a couple of things, whatever. But now there's like a whole bunch going on. I mean, even MasterCard is holding, um, you know, kind of, or rather producing a panel on, you know, diversity and tech. And there's just like everything. I mean, it's, there's everything for everybody here. Korea startup, like ecosystem lunch, like there is really everything. So I'm interested to see like what level people are out here what the discussion is, and I will be bringing it to you. So this was like between a bunch of different Zoom meetings I had today and phone calls and then, you know, jumping over and doing a few of these, you know, putting in my information, then jumping back into a Zoom call back and forth. I'm like, 
whew, I need a cocktail after all of this. So that is like kind of kicking everything off. And it's really great because it helps me to kind of start to just think about a lot of different things that I'm covering or that I'm thinking about maybe myself or kind of connecting dots. And then you can see some which are reflected um, in these New York Tech Week events, some that have not even, you know, hit kind of the radar yet. So this should just be really, really interesting. So like I said, I cannot wait to be able to, you know, give you guys all of the scoop on this for next week. So don't, you know, miss the next episode next Thursday of Beats and Bites. Now today I want to talk about as I said, a couple of different news items, both in like kind of the, the Hollywood entertainment realm and then in the music realm. And they kind of sync in some ways, but not completely. So let's talk about something that maybe many people in the industry didn't see coming, which is this departure of the former digital head at Warner Music Group. Now, I think many people, you know, know that Warner, I think, has been really out front in terms of a lot of what it's kind of done in terms of like outreach or at least kind of the strategy or at least the mindset for being to being able to execute more around this intersection of innovation and um, and music. I don't know if there's something that, you know, many can point to as maybe, you know, a first here or a first there. Um, for my like kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of take on this or the perspective is that I think that all of the labels can be much, much, much more effective if there was more of a kind of seamless dialogue between said innovation group and just the regular, like, you know, label side of things. I was having a conversation with somebody in the industry about this just earlier today, and especially when it comes to quote unquote black music or hip hop, right? Um, There needs to be a kind of cultural understanding. It's, it goes beyond like data and certainly, you know, all that. It's really about, like I said, culture, how management reacts, what's hot, what isn't. And, you know, to be absolutely honest, most of these innovation departments to date have really been very homogenous, typically very heavily male, although not exclusively, but heavily male and primarily Caucasian. So you kind of get these really interesting, I don't know, products that come out of them. And I don't know how many of you remember just really not that long ago, Capitol Records, you know, sorry to shout you out, but uh, it was just over a year ago that Capitol sunk all of this money into this AI driven, quote unquote, well, computer generated rapper with a kind of AI uh, kind of backstory, if you will. Um, called FN Mecca. For those who didn't, you know, kind of see this in real time, you know, Google, don't take my word for it. F is in Frank, N is in Nancy, and then the word M-E-K-A. So Capital Music Group, you know, put this out and immediately there was massive backlash. It's not that you have to be of a certain ethnic background to create for the same ethnic background, but there are certain nuances and sensibilities. I think everybody knows that you need to be aware of. This was a perfect case in point around that, where the computer generated rapper came out and like with the AI kind of feed that it was given was just perpetuating all of these black stereotypes, using the N word all over the place. It was the work of a non-black team. Um, And I'm actually quoting now from an NBC 
news.com article that that covered this. And, um, you know, this has happened in a couple of different instances. This one, like I said, only being the latest. There's a lot of time sunken into this, obviously a lot of energy and money only for Capitol Records to have to pull it. Again, if there was greater integration between the true artist side and marketing and innovation, I mean, you could just see so many wonderful things happening. But typically, you know, you'd have to be kind of like a very, a very unique type of person like myself who has come out of the music industry and then has learned how to code and understands a lot of how emerging technology can work and then kind of fuses the two together. This is going to be critical going forward. And I really can't emphasize it enough, but something has happened, which has given me a little bit of hope. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But Warner Music Group, as I was just saying, had a longtime executive there overseeing or who was the chief digital officer. She made a number of different deals with, you know, startups in the Web3 space, et cetera, et cetera. The whole kind of virtual merchandise even scenario has kind of, I think Warner Music has been really a leader in that. We haven't seen it come to pass just yet. And that's a whole nother thing with creating strategy around this and marketing and getting it from the wonderful technology stage where it all works perfectly to actually resonating on that emotional level where you just have to have it. And it drives the consumer or rather the artist brand, you know, even further into the hearts of fans. This is still something which um, has yet to be conquered. And I think it's going to take, you know, a number of different people, not only within, you know, said record label to be able to do it. At any rate, this woman left, a new woman has been brought on to take her place, and her name is Carletta Higginson. She is a woman of color um, and a former longtime executive at Google. I, if you don't want to read more about this, and I've pulled you know a bit of information to talk with you about this today from Billboard, but you know you can Google elsewhere too. But I'm really interested if any of the cultural sensibilities will start to kind of uh, gel a little bit more. But again, this person is from the tech community and not, you know, music. I'm sure she has, she would not have been hired had she not had, I should do a little bit more research on the fabulous Carletta, but had she not had some kind of interaction with the music industry. But let's be honest, you know, it's, it's real. <laughs> it's crazy. And so, you know, when you want to like deal with something and obviously hip hop is always the sexiest, you know, lead for any of these things. You have to understand the get down around it. So let's just see, but I wanted to bring this to your attention because I'm going to be tracking it for you. And I'm intrigued at the very least to see how this all begins to shake out. So from Warner, now we're going to jump over to Universal. And I don't have a lot to say about this because they don't have a lot to say just yet. But I just wanted to kind of talk about it because, you know, kind of speaking about forward moving things and, you know, everybody knows, well, first of all, Universal Music Group has, for those who may not know, of course, largest market share um, in in the recording music space. But um, in addition, of course, they have a lot of forward scenarios going on as well in their innovation department, again, looking for more synthesis with the actual recording artists themselves and in a way that fans can point to it, right? Not just from tech peer to tech peer, but really something that moves the needle and actually has a business model around it. Still waiting to see a lot of these things happen. Um, So many ideas that could be explored 
not seeing them just yet, but um, wanted to just bring this out a little bit because I guess back in August, Universal Music Group kind of surprised um, a lot of people. I don't think many people are still talking about it because like I said, it's kind of just getting going. But they decided to partner with YouTube to kind of create this AI initiative. It's kind of being dubbed as like an AI music incubator where Universal Music Group is going to be, I guess, a sounding board of sorts for the kind of products that YouTube will come up with around AI. I think the the idea here, the intent is to kind of like be right at that starting gate so that it kind of doesn't eat you, right? Um, so if Universal Music Group is really right at that cutting edge, it can maybe make different su- suggestions and so much more. They have a couple of different artists on board. I haven't seen many who are deeply hip hop in this space, but you know, people are, are saying they want to keep an open mind and they're excited to see about how this can be used in the creative process. And this is what you know, I am am saying as well, uh, technology is obviously, and I don't really like this term of agnostic, but it is neutral. It only becomes something which is either detrimental or beneficial depending on said human who is using it, right? So AI is not sitting there out to get somebody. It's how it can be used. There are many ways that it is not cool. There are many ways that it can be very supportive. So these are more conversations that Um, need to be had. In fact, we discussed a a little bit about this during, I think I had mentioned to you guys that I am a relatively new um, member of the Recording Academy. I don't know why I had never really joined, but I was asked. And then I was like, okay, yeah, why not? Um, They recently had what's called their Advocacy Day, where, you know, a lot of what the Academy does besides putting together one of the best shows in the world, known as the Grammys, but they also advocate for uh, you know those in the recording artist in the recording industry on the creative side, uh, you know being able to craft different policy and get bills passed and so much more around issues that are important to creators to make sure that they can support themselves and so much more. So we had the opportunity for those of us who signed up and I did to be able to um, meet in real life with um, our local Congress member to talk about a couple of bills that. The academy feels, you know, are very important, and um, just to be able to see, you know, if we can get the the Congress member on board and be able to kind of, you know, just lay out in very general terms what some of them are. We talked about a number of different things. Um, of course, you can't help but have technology intersect in those conversations, and it was just very cool to see, you know, this Congress member, uh, Congressman Nadler, um, be very open to discussion around, you know, some of these things. So, um, you know, just wanted to kind of put that out there as a parenthetical. Um, But yeah, I'm going to be, of course, tracking more of this um, for you as my listeners, because this can't help but uh, kind of do a couple of things. One, impact strategy. Two, obviously be able to impact, you know, consumers, fans, etc. And, you know, need to be able to stay up on this in order to be able to be part of this new era. As I always say, really, it's like musical chairs right now. You need to get like yourself really in at least the mindset of who you're going to partner with. What does this mean to you? What do you want to have, you know, come out of it? What's the social impact side that you'd like to be known for? Because once the music stops and all of this is set, it will be set for decades to come. Imagine somebody telling you that you could put music on something called, you know, 
vinyl and put something like a needle on it and play it? Do you want in on that? It's kind of like that, right? So, uh, you know, just always kind of informing you because I want you to stay up on all of this because I want you to win, quite frankly. I mean, if, if you win and more people win, it's good for everybody, right? So, you know, it's just a matter of being able to inform each other and be able to share. By the way, let me just, you know, make a little promo note right here. If you haven't signed up for my newsletter on LinkedIn, which I do, which really goes into more of a pure, like kind of hip hop as it intersects with emerging tech media and brands, definitely sign up. You can go, you know, to my LinkedIn page. Of course, it's Lauren Delisa Coleman um, and sign up. Um, you know, of course, I already do the podcast. Please give a five star review and, you know, follow as well. Um, and then, you know, just let's keep the dialogue high. You know, I'm writing about so much of this again, as always, the intersection of emerging technology and mass media and entertainment on NASDAQ's news site. You can just Google NASDAQ and my name will come up. Um, so yeah, really, it is all about informing and making sure everybody stays up on things. So I think this is going to be one of like my last kind of bits of info for you for this week. And then I'm about to kind of get out of here because there's still so much work that I have to do with so much going on with New York Tech Week and all of what I just told you. But this is a pretty like interesting article that you might want to Google. We're going to jump over now to more of like the film television side of of um, the entertainment industry. I read this earlier this week in The Hollywood Reporter. The, the title of the piece is, I think it's five things that, now what? The five crises confronting a post-strike Hollywood. First of all, it's not completely post-strike because at least as, the, as of the recording of this podcast, the actors are still not trying to, you know, the SAG after union is still not trying to hear anything about what studios are trying to propose. So only the writer's portion of this strike is over and we all hope that, um, you know, everything can can come together on the actor side as well. But anyway, you can you'll be able to see the four if you go to the article. But the fifth one is all about AI and I think that the um, Hollywood reporter is quite accurate in saying like the AI battle lines are just being drawn. That's like their kind of sub subhead or whatever for for this that number 4 on the list. And it's very very um the, the, that section of the piece is particularly interesting, talking about what could happen, what might happen, what might not. I like this part about the fact that AI companies might actually turn to competing with studios by, and I'm quoting here from the piece, by deploying generative AI tools to pen and polish scripts. Now, should this happen, and there's no reason why it shouldn't, there could be a lot of shifts in power and play that I don't think we've ever seen before. Of course, I'm always looking at information and entertainment as it pertains to kind of like, you know, youth culture, certainly Gen Z and millennials, and of course, how that interplay with hip hop. And I want to just take you back for a moment to like a time when in Hollywood, there were all of these hot films like that kind of touched on, I guess, hip hop culture. Right. So whether you're looking at dead presidents and just so much more, like just bringing like heat and fire, we have not really seen this in like, you know, a minute. And I'm wondering, really, could and if AI companies start to to do this, who actually becomes a winner and who is a loser, depending on what said companies want to produce, 
how AI might um, approach that, how AI is going to be used to even green light, and it already is to a certain extent, but even more on what will be kind of released to the public and what won't. These are issues that need to be addressed, which I don't really see a lot of talk about this. And here's where it becomes even more interesting because I was reading a different piece that actually came out last year while I was doing some other research. This came up for me this week. I want to share with you because it was in the LA Times talking about how, quote unquote, Gen Z spends half its waking hours on screens, but not traditional screens. And that's, you know, no surprise there. But here are a few stats, which I want you to just kind of keep in mind. Again, if you're an executive creating strategy and content around this space, or if you are are the actual content um, producer, him or herself, or certainly a brand um, that is looking to, you know, kind of integrate itself within the the conversation or the eyeballs here. Gen X, this article shows that uh, Gen X is like kind of views or viewing patterns are markedly different from Gen Z. So like, check this out. They're looking at professionally produced content, i.e. from studios, et cetera. 72% of the time, content creator produced content, uh, you know, on the screen. Uh, Sorry for the repeat there. 28%. When you jump over to Gen Z, the amount of content that they watch that's professionally produced is only 52% as opposed to content creator produced, which of course would be on screen, social media, blah, 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 48%, right? It's like double. But here's the other thing, and really pay attention to this. On In the article, people of color are even more likely to prefer creator produced content. I'm quoting this from the LA Times piece. This is something that, again, people are not really tracking enough, right? And if you go over to like the latest like Nielsen report um, that looks at, not the the latest, but one of them, that looks at how like demographics, how it all shakes out in terms of who's listening to more terrestrial radio, who's listening to more podcasts, who's looking at like a trillion like streaming or rather viewing minutes in a single quarter, it keeps coming back to African-Americans and a lot of it has to do with, you know, hip hop culture, just communication, how communication is valued, sharing, entertainment. Um, It really is quite fascinating. I think that the companies that start to be able to connect these dots that I'm putting forth to you now and every week on my podcast, able to connect these, these are the new power companies that will be coming up to define an entirely new era and peep this not just in the United States domestically, but worldwide. It's just going to be so hot. There's just so much opportunity. And so I'm just excited to be able to continue um, to you know, bring this to you each and every week. So I think that is just about going to do it for me for this um, week. Whew, so much going on, right? Um And really, I'm just so glad that you have the opportunity to listen to this. I'm glad that I have the opportunity to be able to really take the time and and just do it. You guys know I love this space. I'm consulting about it, um, professionally speaking about it, creating presentations for various C-suites, really about how to be able to handle um, this area of emerging tech and mass media and entertainment um, even more, you know, just creatively um, in a more kind of a competitive way. 
Um, and so, you know, follow me. I'm writing about it. Really, nobody is out here looking at, you know, innovation strategy like I am because I absolutely love it. So thank you again so much for listening. And I will see you next episode live from New York Tech Week. Okay, everybody, I'm out. Have a great rest of the week, wherever you are. making really a very very uh small uh, amount per stream right. uh, like i think in, in the case of spotify it's 0.005 cents or something like it. so small that you cannot actually make a living as a performing artist if you're if you're independent and i think this technology offers tremendous possibilities for um, disintermediating the more traditional uh, industry and really connecting you know uh, producers and consumers as we talked about it earlier now, when you add uh, AI, it creates lots of other interesting uh, angles, right? One thing I've been hearing a um, little bit about recently is generative music, NFTs. So basically, when you go to mint an NFT, it actually like you know uses an algorithm to generate uh, music for you for that. I mean, for that NFT. And I mean, I don't know whether that'll take off as much or not, but it sounds cool that you're using AI to create music. And, uh, you know, of course, the artist will will probably, you know, have to work with some uh, software people to set up the parameters. So it sort of sounds like their voice and their 
their kind of music, but it's actually being put together by a computer algorithm, right? So I don't know if that but would of be course, or not, but it's, you know, it sounds cool. It sounds interesting. We'll right. See. But of course, you know, recording artists would take issue with that because certainly no one, but wants to be, well, I mean, you know, research. So it would need to be, it'll have to a, be their, an interesting uh, combination exactly. of a, a human with that similar to, of course, the infamous Drake and Weekend AI <laughs> track, which is AI, you know, version of their voices, a clone of their voices, but actually a human produced the track underneath it. So, you know, we're going to get into some very, very Absolutely. interesting kind of uh, areas which have never of, been, uh, you know, created IP before. Then, absolutely. But I think, but I mean, you, know, you know, maybe yeah. AI could at least be, without any controversy, utilized to help, you know, drive. Um, marketing and awareness around you know Absolutely. something in in the space or maybe a new web3 community or something like tool, that Do you know what i, I mean that artists can add to their toolkits right 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 sure. right uh, and, and i think the, the immersive vibe like what about that because i'm just yeah. like just such a huge fan i mean my latest column on um nasdaq news site is looking at some of the upcoming scenarios that's going to happen with immersive i mean this just this whole idea of being able to quote unquote teleport an artist into another physical artist, you know, venue, like, for example, you know, Beyonce's had all kinds of wonderful guests, guest appearances, different, different stops, you know, imagine being able to teleport, like, say, Megan the Stallion into that arena in LA, but Megan is actually in London right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean it just could exactly be like, right. insane. Uh, I actually, I was at a conference in LA, uh, a Web3 conference sometime back where they were, uh, there was a company demoing an AR headset that you could wear and then it basically transported you to a venue where you could, you know, it felt like you were listening to a live, you know, live show. Um, so I think there's... And I think the sphere, um, you know, all the hype right now is around the sphere in That's right. Vegas. Um, for those of you who may not know, although I don't know how you could have missed it, you know, Madison Square <laughs> Garden's latest venue, which has, I don't know, I think they have so much technology in there. I don't even know if they know everything I, I, I I, I that it can that do and will do. I mean, it's just like a TV screen or something. It's I, just I, like, and it, and it can convert for different types of uh, events. If it's, you know, the, there's a stage that, you know, moves or expands or whatever. Um, the LED lights are supposed to be, you know, nothing that's ever been seen before. I mean, it's it's really going to be fascinating. And I think maybe the intersection of like, you know, utility uh, tokens with something like that, whether it's just something very basic, like, you know, you get to go or you get a backstage experience or something or, or something that's much more robust and over time with the community, I think is... I mean, it's mind-boggling. Look, I mean, I'm sure you're aware that when Board Ape, Ape Yacht Club, uh, BAYC, which is one of the more popular kind of the, the yep, Ape, yep. Ape NFTs, like people paid a lot of money to that to feel like they belong to an exclusive community. And Absolutely. every year at uh, NFT NYC, the biggest party in town was The hottest one was theirs. Was oh, for sure. Board Ape, uh, you know, private party, right? Which was only uh, for members who uh, had these uh, NFTs. I think musicians and uh, others in the entertainment industry can absolutely create, you know, communities that are, and, and people will pay to belong to these communities, right? Because that's a way to identify yourself with other like-minded people. Um, and so there's a lot of possibilities, not just for, again, as we talked about earlier, not just for providing utility, providing IP rights, sharing in the value, uh, but just overall how producers and consumers engage with each other. 
I think I agree. I agree. And especially I think too, for executives listening and I mean, you know, individual creators too, but I think exactly, especially for executives listening, if you can also find a way to incorporate a social impact element into everything and anything that you do um, in the emerging tech space, I think it's, you know, it's only better because for those for everyone who's included, there's somebody who isn't, somebody who doesn't have access, somebody whose internet is not moving that fast and whatever. Um, it is important to see how can we utilize this to be able to support someone, even if it's somebody who, or the community that maybe is visually impaired or something like this, what what can we do? How do we balance this out? Because we have amazing technology that we have not had access to before, and therefore we have the ability to do more for ourselves and for others more than any bef- any time before. And I think that is just so very key. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think it's, we live in a very interesting time, these technologies. Of course, you know, there's anytime something innovative and disruptive comes about, some things are going to work well, some things are not going to work well. We have to learn from that. And yeah, there's, you know, some fraud happening. And as in the industry, they call it rug pulls or you know, where, where somebody's trying to sell something to make a quick buck and then they disappear, right? Of course, these things are going to happen. But I think for good artists who have the sort of right, you know, uh, philosophical approach to this, they want to engage with their fans. They want to do a really good job of bringing in the community into what they're doing. This technology is fantastic. And I think it's here to stay. And yeah, I mean, you know, as long as people kind of are working within the guardrails and you know, just keep track of what you're tweeting or or how your marketing teams are tweeting about it. Uh, you know, obviously, you don't want to create any uh, ambiguity in, and that brings the SEC to your doors. But, you know, do it in a way that's, you know, common sense. Uh, and, you know, as long as it's with, done with the right uh, sort of mindset to bring in the uh, community together, I think uh, there's going to be like huge potential and a lot of opportunity for success. Perfect. Sanjay, how can everybody follow you if they want to see, you know, the latest in thought leadership, as they say, in this space? What Are you on Twitter and LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm uh, eat underscore Sanjay at Twitter. Um, and I, yeah, talk a lot about uh, real world assets or RWAs, um, tokenization, NFTs, decentralized finance, which is another, um, like a, this company I know just uh, gave a loan to uh, somebody that's working on a new project, a comic-related project, uh, but he had a lot of kind of old comics that were uh, authenticated and appraised, and they had value to it, but he couldn't take it to a bank to get a loan against those comics. So these guys actually took the comics as collateral and gave the guy a loan uh, interesting. So to work on his new project, right? Interesting. So that's, that's an example of financing that can work with some of you know, your collectibles like trading cards or... We will uh, have to get into that for the next time. But you guys, just in case you missed it, it's E-T-H, E-T for maybe those who are new yeah. new to the vibe. So E-T-H underscore Sanjay, S-A-N-J-A-Y. You guys know that you can always follow me on LinkedIn, Lauren Delisa Coleman, um, Twitter, Ultra Lauren. And um, you know you do not want to miss my um, newsletter that I do every Tuesday morning on LinkedIn going into, of course, whatever's the hottest in terms of power and deals at the intersection of emerging tech, mass media and entertainment um, from a Gen Z or hip hop point of view. Um, I am just so glad that you have been able to take out some time to listen to all this. I hope it's been very helpful. Sanjay, I can't thank you enough for taking your time and, you know, just giving us 
all this knowledge. Anything you want to say before we quickly wrap up? No, I thank you so much for having me. I think um, you know the the media and entertainment world. Uh, there's just so much potential, and I love what you're doing in this uh, to to bridge the gap between the kind of traditional and Web three here. Um, and I hope your audience is also able to leverage this technology and sort of look at the all the opportunities that it provides. Um, I think in the next few years, uh, there's going to be just a um, you know it's, it's a multi tens of billions of dollars of opportunity that can be created, new capital formation, new ways to interact with uh, each other. Uh, and I just, you know, hope uh, your audience is able to um, use this technology to to further their uh, vision and mission. Absolutely. Thanks again, you guys. Don't miss next week's episode. And if you are wondering, wait a second, I thought she said that she was going to be talking to the deep fake Tom Cruise guy this week. He is actually working on something else even more mega than that if you can believe it and so we're going to wait to be able to connect with him so that he can actually talk about that because he can't talk about it just yet so of course you're going to stay tuned anyway though and listen to each and every episode so you will not miss it but i'm glad that sanjay could speak to us this week you guys thank you so much for listening i am lauren delisa coleman and this has been another episode of beats and bites <laughs>